The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Well, as we meet together for the first time uh, at Faith Troy at Home, I just want to say to you that I am so excited that we get the chance to be together. I wish we could be together in person, but I'm so excited that we get to be together online. And I'm very excited about the opportunities that this is going to give to us as a church and as followers of Jesus to interact with uh, our community of people way beyond our doors and in a different way than we've ever been able to interact before. And so I hope that you will just continue to pray that God will work through us and that he will use our church and that he will use each one of us to reach people. Now, I think one of the things that is absolutely true um, that all of us can reflect on as a result of going through this experience is that it is in times of uncertainty and it is in times of fear. It is in times of anxiety when our attention is absolutely focused on God. In fact, oftentimes it seems like when things are not going well, when things are uncertain, it's in those times in our life when our attention is most focused on and we are most aware of what it is that God is in fact doing. In fact, it's in those times that for many of us, right, not all of us, but for many of us, we are actually drawn towards God and we are most interested in God. And that is also the reason why this book, why the Bible is more relevant today and in this season that we are in as a community and as people and as a nation than it has ever been. Because in this book are the pages and the history and the record of the God who is faithful. The God who is faithful to people who are faithful and the God who is faithful to people who are faithless. And so this is your story. And this is my story. This is the story of the God who makes his activity and his presence known in the lives of the people that he loves. And he shows up when we least expect it. Because your favorite story found between the covers of this book was written during a time of uncertainty. It was written by people who were fearful and it was written in a way and in a season of life where people thought that God was absent. And so this is the reminder to each of us that no matter what we experience, in our life right now that the promise of our Heavenly Father is that he is with us always. In fact, it's the Apostle Paul who says to us in Romans chapter 8 that in all things, right, in all things, in all good things and in all bad things, in times of uncertainty, in times of job loss, in times of crisis, in times of sickness, in times of fear, in all things, the promise that he makes is that God says he is at work. And he is at work for the good of people who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Now, don't miss that God does not say all things are good, right? God never says all things are good. He says clearly some things are good and some things are bad. The promise is that in all those things, whether they are good or whether they are bad, God promises to work and he promises to work for your good. Now, knowing that, here's the question that I want us to talk about together today. What do we do when we have to wait? What do we do when we're faced with fear and anxiety, when we don't know what to do? What do we do when we live in that space between what I'm experiencing right now and what it is that I hope to experience someday? What is it that we're supposed to do in the meantime? 
And the great news is that within the pages of this book, God gives to us some very specific instructions about what we should do and what we should be doing while we are waiting for him. Because God really does love you, God really does care about you, and God really does want you to know that he has not forgotten about you, he has not forgotten about us, and that he is present and he is with us in times of fear and in times of anxiety. That God cares enough that he would take care of your greatest need, that he would send his son Jesus into this world, that he would give to you everything that you need through Jesus, that your future could be absolutely certain even though your present might be uncertain. In fact, it's the Apostle John who reminds us of Jesus' own words when Jesus tells us, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world, Jesus reminds us, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus' love and Jesus' concern for you, it goes way beyond simply, you know, heaven someday. And because of that, he has given to you his words. He's given to you his hope. He's given to you his promises so that you can know that at all times and in all circumstances, he is with you. He is walking with you through whatever it is that you're going to face in life. Now today, I want us to take some time together. I want us to look at a section of scripture that's found in the book of Philippians. So take out your Bible or on the left side of your screen, you'll notice the Bible button. You can click there and a Bible will pop up for you on your screen. I want you to go to the book of Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 through 7 together today. Now, this letter, the book of Philippians, like most of the New Testament, it was written by the Apostle Paul. And what the Apostle Paul did is he traveled throughout what we think of as Europe, planting a series of churches. And before we actually get into the content of what it is that we're going to read together today, it's really important that we understand the experience that the Apostle Paul had prior to writing these words. Because if we do not understand what it is that the Apostle Paul experienced in his life, then most likely what we're going to read together today is going to want to make you quietly close the pages of this book and set it aside and walk away and say to yourself, okay, that's nice. But he has no clue what it's like to actually be in my shoes. Maybe those words were true back in his day when things were simpler and things were easier, but he has no idea what it's like to live in a modern world and to face the uncertainty and the fear that's found in our modern world. When in fact it is the experiences of the Apostle Paul that give his words the credibility that we need to understand how to apply them to our lives. Because what happened to the Apostle Paul was this. After Jesus rose from the dead, after he appeared to his apostles, and after he left his apostles for the last time, the Apostle Paul began to plant churches all throughout Europe. And one of the very first churches that he planted was in the city of Philippi. Well, after he plants all these churches, the Apostle Paul, he travels back to Jerusalem. Now, these Jewish leaders, they were waiting at the temple for the Apostle Paul when he returned, and they were incredibly angry at the Apostle Paul because he was telling all these non-Jewish people that they were loved by the Jewish God, that they could be saved by the Jewish God, that they could worship the Jewish God, and they didn't have to be Jewish, that Jesus would take care of everything, that all they needed to do was to receive Jesus as their Savior and everything would be taken care of. Now this infuriated the Jewish leaders because the Apostle Paul used to be one of them and they felt like he was corrupting Judaism. 
And so when, when he gets back to the temple, they're waiting for him and they organize a mob to attack the apostle Paul and they beat him almost to the point of death. Well, people seeing what's happening call for the authorities. Those authorities are Roman soldiers. And so these Roman soldiers come in and they break up this mob and they arrest the apostle Paul as a way of protecting him. And so as a result, the apostle Paul, he ends up chained up in the bottom of a ship headed off for the city of Rome. So try to imagine this. The Apostle Paul is the victim of a mob beating and yet he's the one who ends up in chains. He's put into the belly of a ship where he's chained up for a two-week journey back to the city of Rome. During his trip on the ship, the ship is blown off course by a powerful storm into the Mediterranean Sea where it's lost for a number of weeks. After the storm finally subsides, the battered ship is washed up on shore and the Apostle Paul is shipwrecked there for three months, the entire time he is in chains. Now, let me just pause here for a moment and say this. If you've ever felt like there's all these bad things in my life that are happening to me right now, I just want you to stop and think about the Apostle Paul. Paul was doing exactly what it is that Jesus wanted him to do, and yet he was still facing uncertainty. He was still facing fearful circumstances. Well, when they finally get the Apostle Paul back to Rome, he, he's put in, into a, a house where he awaits his trial. The Roman courts are so backlogged that it's going to take at least two years for the Apostle Paul's trial to even come up to, in court. This whole time he has to be in chains in this home. And it's while he's chained up under house arrest that he begins to write letters to all these churches that he's planted all throughout Europe. And the reason this context is so important for what it is that we're going to talk about today and specifically the section of scripture that we're going to read together today is because that there is something in many of us that's going to want to dismiss what it is that the Apostle Paul is saying to us. Because we're going to be tempted to think that he really doesn't know what he's talking about. But I want you to remember who it is that's saying this to us. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the man who was beaten so badly that he was almost killed. He's been whipped. He's been shipwrecked. And now he's waiting for a trial that he knows will eventually lead to his own execution. And so in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, the Apostle Paul says to us this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. If you're in the midst of uncertainty or if you're in the midst of dealing with anxiety when you hear those words, when you're watching maybe something bad happen to someone that you love, if you're watching someone that you love suffer, when you hear those words, pretty much the first thing that you want to do is, is kind of slap somebody, right? When you, somebody says something like that to you. But before you do that, just kind of stick with me for a moment. Because if the Apostle Paul had said simply rejoice always, then maybe that response would in fact be warranted. But he doesn't. Instead, he puts in three very important words. He says, in the Lord. And let me tell you what he means by that. Because see, if I were to take out those three words, in the Lord, then immediately all of us would understand exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying, especially if we put in three different words. 
Because if I were to say to you, rejoice in a new job, rejoice in a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend, if I were to say to you, rejoice in a new promotion, you would immediately understand what it is that I'm saying. Because every single one of us, we know what it means to rejoice in something. It means to focus on something that's good to the point where we begin to feel the emotions that are associated with that good thing. And those emotions, they begin to fill us up to the point where people look at us and they actually say to us, hey, what's going on with you? Why are you so happy? Why are you so excited? And you say, I got a new job, or I got a new car, or he called me back, or she called me back. And so the Apostle Paul is saying to us, listen, I want you to spend whatever time is necessary to capture the emotions that are associated with the fact that God has given you his grace that God has given you his mercy, that God loves you unconditionally despite what is going on in your life right now, that those promises to you are true, that those promises are for you from your heavenly father. He says, I want you to stop and I want you to allow the truth of what it is that your heavenly father has given to you through Jesus, what it is that God has done for you. The fact that Jesus has taken care of your greatest need, the fact that Jesus is going to be with you and that he's going to carry you through whatever circumstances that you face in this life. I want you to focus on that so much, Paul says, that you begin to feel the feelings that are associated with that kind of good news, which means reflecting on God's grace in our own lives until our emotions match that reality. Many times the reason why this is so hard for us to do is because it is so easy to allow other things in life to rob our joy and to rob our peace and to rob our confidence in God. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, okay, maybe now is the time for you to pull back from all those other things that are competing for your attention, that are competing for your heart, and to pull back from all those other things and direct your attention back to the things they should be focused on in the first place. I want you to learn how to discipline yourself and be intentional about learning how to rejoice in God's goodness and in God's grace and his love for you. Now, you may never have thought about it this way before, but this is, in fact, why we sing whenever we come together for worship. In fact, this is why, as a part of Faith Troy at Home, we want worship to be a part of this experience. The reason we sing is because the truth that's found in the words that we sing is meant to convey emotion to our hearts. It's meant to remind us of the good things, the great things that God has done for us and that God has given to us. And they are supposed to remind us in an emotional way of God's goodness and God's grace in our lives. When we sing, we are rejoicing in the Lord. We are rejoicing in the goodness that God has given to us. And then what the Apostle Paul says in the next verse is a little bit of a surprise because he says this. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. In other words, he's saying, do not let your circumstances rob you of your character. Do not let anxiety erode who and whose you really are. Do not allow your temper to get so short because of the circumstances that you find yourself in that you begin to destroy the relationships you have with the people around you, with the people that you love the most. 
Because he would say, if your joy is only associated with the good times, and if your joy is only associated with the good circumstances, then as those circumstances change, then your joy is going to evaporate. Then as those circumstances change, so will your character. And Paul is reminding us that our character is the result of what God has done and who God has made us on the inside. Therefore, he says, do not allow something as temporary as your circumstances to control the way that you treat other people. Because your circumstances will always fluctuate, he's saying. And your character should be a reflection of what it is that God has done inside of you. After all, he says, the Lord is near. And then the Apostle Paul says this in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Or he says it this way. Do not be anxious about anything. Which I realize may not sound like very helpful advice. In fact, you hate it when people say things like that to you. And they say to you things like, well, just don't worry about it. Right? I've been worried for the last four days about this moment right here. About thinking about how in the world are we going to actually do church together this weekend. We've had a team of people worried about this moment trying to get ready for us to have church at home. It's, it's horrible when somebody says to you, well, just don't worry about it. Right? It makes you kind of want to walk up and slap them. Well, that's not all that the Apostle Paul is saying. He doesn't just leave us there. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything that you will experience, in every situation that you will experience, every marriage situation, every family situation, every friendship situation, every world situation, every political situation, every situation, the Apostle Paul says, what I'm about to tell you is true. Every time you are overwhelmed with anxiety, every time you are overwhelmed with fear, every time that you are overwhelmed with uncertainty, every time you feel like you're going to fall apart because of what it is that you're facing, the Apostle Paul says, I'm not simply saying, don't worry about it. I'm saying this, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. In every single situation, every single family situation, every single marriage situation, every single friendship situation, every single situation at school, every single situation that you face in your world, in every situation, the Apostle Paul says, what I'm about to tell you is true. What I'm about to tell you applies. Every time you're overwhelmed with anxiety, every time you're overwhelmed with fear, every time that you're overwhelmed with uncertainty, Every time you feel like you are about to, to fall apart, the Apostle Paul says, I'm not simply saying don't worry about it. I'm saying to you, do this instead. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, if the way that you hear that is in do everything and pray, then you're hearing it wrong. That is not what the Apostle Paul is saying. But that is how most of us hear this verse, isn't it? And then we just keep on going because we're so frustrated by what it is that we read and we don't think about it. But I want you to look at this again. I want you to hear this again because the Apostle Paul, he doesn't stop with pray. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And the word that the Apostle Paul uses that we translate as present, it isn't really a prayer word. In fact, it means um, to reveal, as in to reveal a mystery. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is that when you pray in times of uncertainty and in times of fear, he's saying, I I don't want you to pray just like, okay, on the way home from the doctor, say, God, please heal me, right? You You can certainly start there, the Apostle Paul would say. Instead, what he's saying is, I want you to to reveal to your Heavenly Father what is really going on in your heart, because that is what you're going to do instead of worrying. I want you to spend the time necessary, he's saying, to understand for yourself and then to actually reveal to your Heavenly Father what is truly going on in your heart at the deepest level. On the surface, I, I want a new job, but, but why? What's really behind that desire? What's going on for you at the heart level? The Apostle Paul says, don't simply tell God what it is that you want. That's a good place to start, but don't just leave it there. Instead, reveal to him what it is that's going on deep inside your heart. Place into your Heavenly Father's hands that which only his hands are capable of handling. And Paul says, this is the way that we are to respond in times of fear and uncertainty and anxiety. Why? Because uncertainty has a way of surfacing our deepest insecurities, and it begins to bring to the surface our greatest fears. And see, the truth is, very rarely do we pray at the level of our insecurity. Most of the time, we simply pray at the level of, God, this is what I want, and this is what I need, and this is when I want you to give it to me. And Paul is saying, you can pray that way if you want to, but that is not going to help you deal with your anxiety. That is not going to help you deal with your fear. That is not going to help you in uncertain times. He says, I want you to pray, and I want you to reveal to your Heavenly Father I want you to remember all the times in your past that your Heavenly Father has been faithful to you. I want you to remember all the things that He's done for you, and I want you to celebrate those times. Then I want you to reveal to your Heavenly Father what's going on inside your heart as well. I want you to tell Him, Heavenly Father, this is what I want, and Heavenly Father, this is why I want it. Because times of uncertainty and anxiety and fear, they have a way of surfacing not only our insecurity, but also those things that are most important to us as well, the things that we truly value. And when our prayers move past all those very legitimate things that we tend to ask for on the surface, then they expose that thing or the things that are really driving us, those things that are really causing or creating the anxiety that we're feeling. My concern for my family, the question of whether or not God actually knows what's even happening to me right now, the question of whether or not he even cares, the the need I have to be seen or to be viewed by the people in my life in a certain way, the, the need that I have to be seen by my kids in a certain way. Paul says, I want you to go ahead and I want you to dig all that stuff up and I want you to bring that to your Heavenly Father. I want you to present that to Him. He's saying, listen, it's there anyway. So ignoring it and acting like it's not real, that isn't going to help anything. And then he says this in verse 7, And the peace of God. 
Not the peace of circumstance, the peace of God. Not the peace of everything well, everything went well today, and so because of that, I'm at peace. Not the peace of we got everything done on time today, so therefore I'm feeling peace. No, he says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Literally the peace that no person can comprehend. The peace that may not make any rational sense whatsoever based on the circumstances that you're facing right now. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And guard means to stand watch over. To stand watch over your heart and to stand watch over your mind. And see, the truth is, many times the reason why we're filled with anxiety and fear and worry is because we keep trying to get God to go stand watch over our jobs or to go stand watch over our bank accounts or to go stand watch over some situation in our world. And the Apostle Paul tells us that what God wants to do is he wants to give to us his peace and he wants to give that peace to our hearts. He wants to give that peace to our minds. Not to your job, not to your bank account. What God has promised to give you isn't peace because the world has changed. It's peace because you have changed. Because he's changing your heart. Because he's changing your mind. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He says, I learned that prayer isn't about changing God. That prayer is about changing me. So this week, I want to help you with this. And here's how I want you to start. I want you to say to yourself, Heavenly Father, I need you too. And then I want you to fill in the blank. And that should be pretty easy. And then the next part of of what I want you to do as you're thinking about talking to your Heavenly Father about what's going on in your heart right now, is I want you to answer the second part of this question. I want you to do this. Say, Heavenly Father, I need you too. Fill in the blank. And I'm afraid that if you don't, and you tell him what's on your heart. And be honest with him. Tell him about what it is that you're most anxious about. Tell him about what it is that you're fearful of. Tell him about what it is that you're afraid might happen. And remember, when life is uncertain, your Heavenly Father is not. Heavenly Father, you know the fear and the emotion that comes in times of uncertainty, in times where we don't understand what's happening in the world around us, in times where we feel like we're powerless. And Father, the good news of of the gospel is that you have sent your son Jesus into those moments to be strong when we are weak and to give us strength that, Father, that we don't have on our own. Father, that you give to us the hope and the promise that Jesus is with us in all circumstances and he will never abandon us. And so, Father, we ask that in this week and in the weeks and the months to come that you would continue to help us to be strong and to depend on you, not out of our own strengths, but out of the strength that Jesus gives to each of us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it has been great to be with you this week at Faith Troy at Home. I'm looking forward to being with you again next week. I want to leave you with these words from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Your Heavenly Father, He has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love 
and of strength and of sound mind.